Hello and welcome to the Enneagram and Christianity podcast coming to you from Marshall, Michigan from Crossroads Church and Ministries with our lead pastors, Scott and Claire Lorridge. It's great to be with you today. We're continuing on with our good news for the Enneagram series, and this episode is all about the type fives, and this begins uh, the head part of the triad, so we have been in the gut and the heart, and uh, this episode begins the head with type fives, so these beloved, awesome fives. We're so grateful that you have been listening in, whether this is the first episode or you've been uh, along with us for a while. And we've been giving you the opportunity uh, that if you'd like to participate not only in this podcast, but also in the ongoing work of Crossroads Church and Ministries to give towards uh, just the work that we do for children, families, adults, uh, those uh, who have food insufficiency that come to our food pantry, the work that we do to continue to fight human trafficking throughout the world, and general missions work, and uh, just the the great work that happens through the people at Crossroads Church and Ministries. You can give at ccmonline.org, and you'll see at the top right of the webpage uh, places you can give. And again, uh, if you prefer, you can give simply by texting the word GIVE to the number 84321 and it'll give you directions of how to give from there again that's the word give g-i-v-e to 84321 so thanks for considering that and let's sit back and take a listen to the good news for the Enneagram series type 5 he got the dramatic bands got a lot of pretty, pretty thoughts, but he goes poem. Five watches a courtyard, analyze the scene. She contemplates the moments, keeps to herself a dream. Well, welcome everybody and good morning. We, we just, um, we're grateful to see you and to be with you. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get to talk to each other and sometimes we don't, but can always feel your presence. I mean, you think that the people who are standing on the platform can't see your faces? Oh, we can. We make sure that we can see your faces. And, um, you know, because there's something about uh, God with us. Like, Rody, you know what Sarah told me yesterday? You got, like a bunch of pins in your hand. I did not know that. What in the world? And then she told me that you were still going to work in the nursery. And and Sarah said, no, no, Rhody, you can have the couple of weeks off to heal. So what's it like for a physical therapist to be in that condition? Hard work. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So you know, and, and so now we know, and you'll be praying for Rhody. Um, Scott's sister, Cindy, last night, um, she told me that I could say this. She had a stroke. We're asking you to pray for her. Um, how many of you have someone that needs healing in your life that you're concerned about? So today, God, we just want to lift these people up. Say all of their names to God even right now, out loud at the same time. One, two, three. God, you love them even more than each of us that are raising our hand. Mm -hmm. 
And we are trusting them in your loving care and trusting, God, that the good news of Jesus is coming to them even now as we pray. Yes, Lord. That, God, you will make a way where there is no way, that you will bring your love to them in, in all kinds of ways, healing them spirit, soul, and body. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Amen and yeah. amen. Aren't amen. you glad you can pray? Yes. You know, so we've been talking about the Enneagram being good news. And the Enneagram just means nine points. It's something that we utilize for discipleship, for people to actually practice becoming like Christ mm-hmm. and living into and we've Genesis. Been, yep, and we've been spending a lot of time just considering this issue of this beautiful principle of all of our lives that we're created in God's image and likeness, Genesis one twenty six and 27. Then God said, let's say this all together. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Yeah, yeah. And so God did it in like nine specific ways. And you, <laughs> nine, specific ways. <laughs> nine specific ways. And so each of us are very different. And yet we do, um, in one way or another, exemplify the spirit of Jesus. And so while there are nine styles, there really are lots of ways that they show up in very individual people because you are a process and a compilation of nature, nurture, and free will. So when we think about the Enneagram as a tool for transformation and a disformation and discipleship, we also say the best news about Jesus are people who change. Yes, so true. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, I I was blind and now I see. Uh, I remember the letters that I wrote to people right after I gave my life to Jesus, asking them to forgive me, you know, because I realized there were ways that I had wounded my own life and the life of other people. So I just started writing letters, an old boss, you know, my mom and dad, I wrote these letters. Can, let me, let me just say this. I, you know, one of the things that happens to us when we talk about having tools for transformation, we talk about spiritual disciplines or whatever, is some of us can begin to feel like, well, does our, our, is what you two are saying or is what Crossroads believe, uh, is it that you believe that you can have spiritual transformation on your own? The answer to that question is no, but we do believe we participate in it. It is a work and an activity of God's Spirit in our lives, but we make ourselves available. The reason we're in church today is because we're making ourselves available to God, and hopefully there'll be some movement forward, right? So the Enneagram is a tool for transformation like other tools of disciplines. And we love the fact that Jesus gives us this idea um, in John 17 that I have given them the glory, the image that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, everybody say it with us, the words are in red, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So here's the reality. That's why we have a website that gives you the complete description um, and a podcast that you can take a look at, okay? So we won't go through all of the earlier times that we've talked over this series, but we'll make that available to you because today we're going to talk about head types. Can you all say head types? Head types. Now, that's not like a head case, okay? (laughs) We've talked about gut types, people who take in their intelligence through instincts and they have a felt sense. We talked about the heart types, those that are, uh, you know, those are the ones that take in information through affection or connection. And then today we're going to talk about head types. And so can you all say IQ? 
IQ. IQ. So we're going to talk about these three head types just for a second, the five, six, and seven. Mm -hmm. Some of us move into our head and dismiss our heart, and love becomes a concept. When asked a feeling question, we consult our head. I think I feel. Have you ever heard anyone say that, or have you said that yourself? I think I feel. I'll get through this. When we trust our mental activities, pros and cons, research and study, we may dismiss the heart people as lightweights and the gut people as reactionary. So does anybody know, are you in the head, are you in the head type? Five, sixes, Five, and six sevens. Or seven. All right. So some of you know, some of you don't. Go ahead, check out the, you know, the page on Crossroads website. It'll mm -hmm. help you find out. But today we're going to actually just spend some time with the five. The wise person, this person that actually takes in the information through their intellect and um, shows us that Jesus is wise. Yeah. Would you guys say Jesus is wise? Yeah. And if we're becoming like Christ, then we're actually living into the wisdom of God, even as this beautiful scripture that we're about to take a look at. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And this Jesus in red is after his parents are looking for him. He says, why are you looking for me? Fives will disappear into discovery. And we're going to look at that today. So will you stand for the reading of the gospel? It's a beautiful place to start Advent as well. Mm -hmm. Is not too long, obviously, after Jesus is born, 12 years old in the temple. Now, every year, his parents, meaning Joseph and Mary, went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. And when the festival was ended, they started to return. And the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. Now, uh, we'll get back into this in a second, but let's stop there for a minute. What we can easily begin to think is that uh, Jesus is intentionally being disobedient. This gets cleared up in a minute. But a five-style energy gets so focused on wisdom and questions and answers and dissecting things, they can get disconnected from their relational world. All right, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So stop right there. That word understanding comes from a Greek word that actually was talking about two rivers that came together. And then it became in the Greek world a, a saying that when this particular understanding happened, word synesis, it actually meant that two thoughts were coming together. You remember when you were a kid and you played connect the dots, right? There was no picture there, but you started to connect the dots and then all of a sudden a picture came? Well, that's this word for understanding. It's that these fives can connect the dots, and when you didn't see the picture, all of a sudden it comes together. Mm -hmm. This is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest dot connector you've ever met. Like, takes these ideas and brings them together so that we can see something we've never seen. Okay. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look. 
your father, father and I have been searching for you in, with great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? Again, it's a picture of Jesus putting above all else his relationship with the father and gaining wisdom from the father. But they did not understand what he said to them. And when he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. So the issue isn't Jesus being disobedient, it's about Jesus in pursuit of wisdom and knowledge. And the scripture begins to clear that up with even more here. It says, And his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Now, fives are the wise people. This is Jesus showing us the perfect picture of wisdom, the beginning of it. It's the earliest story that we have, the earliest indication that we have of Jesus beginning to be in pursuit of wisdom at 12 years old. You can go ahead and be seated. So it's interesting, at this time in history, uh, spiritually and religiously, there's basically three kind of religious seats of authority that are recognized. Jesus will ultimately fulfill all three of those, but we see as a 12-year-old his beginning to fulfill one pretty clearly, even at that young age. The first recognized office of authority was the priest. And we see Jesus ultimately fulfilling this seat of being the priest, kind of the intermediary between God and uh, men and women and humanity, ultimately. In Hebrews, the scripture tells us that uh, Jesus is our high priest, first and second Peter. Peter uses a lot of language about Jesus being a priest. We see this in a very specific way when Jesus is on the cross, ultimately, and the thief next to him asks for forgiveness. It's this place, the language of the priest is the language of forgiveness. And Jesus fulfills the priesthood uh, place in perfection. But that's not what we see here. The other, another seat is the seat of the prophet. The prophet, the prophet's language is the language of the law. The prophets were sent to warn of imminent or future concerns. They called forth repentance. They were known for their futuring. We saw this, we've already talked about this in this series, where Jesus takes the prophet role in the energy of the eight when Jesus shows up in the temple and starts turning over the tables and calls forth repentance among the people. Jesus fulfills this perfectly, ultimately, and continuously, but that's not what we're seeing here. What we're seeing here is the third recognized authority and role, and it's the role of a wisdom teacher. Most of us would know that as a rabbi. Here he is at 12 years old, beginning to be a wisdom teacher, doing, listening, paying attention, coming with great understanding. If the language of the priest is the language of forgiveness and the language of the prophet is the language of the law, the language of a wisdom teacher or a rabbi is the language of story. We all love story. It's those things where the teacher uses sayings and stories and questions and symbols and things like trees and buildings and landscapes and coins and puzzles. And it almost comes off as a riddle. And we know many times Jesus simply used parables. Jesus would ask well over 300 questions in the Gospels. And questions are 
a, a clear characteristic of five energy, wanting to get to what the core motivations are, the core of the question. See, Jesus goes after core motivations instead of symptoms. When there's things going on in our life and we want to have transformation, the reason that Jesus asks such beautiful questions is because we recognize that Jesus' questions are about our motivations, not just about the symptoms. The question isn't whether or not we're angry. The question is, for instance, why do we get angry? For people that get kind of caught up in pornography, the question isn't, you know, why would you look at pornography? It's the core motivation. What makes you go after pornography? It's the question of not, am I generous enough, but why am I not more generous? Jesus asks these brilliant questions because he goes after motivations. A couple of the examples are things like, how do you lose your little life but find a bigger life? Jesus would ask, what does it mean or look like to die, to gain life before you die? What does it profit, Jesus would say, for you and I to gain the whole world but lose our soul? This is wisdom teaching. Jesus as the wise teacher. Kind of a culmination of many of Jesus' questions are simply this. Is it possible for you and I to live our life generously, abundantly, fearlessly, and beautifully and reflect God's image and likeness in our own life? I love what it's said of Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. It's one of my favorite descriptives of somebody in Scripture. It says, Daniel set his mind to understand and to humble himself before God. Which leads to two questions, I think, for all of us before we move into this five style even more. First of all, when it comes to gaining wisdom... One of the things that's absolutely important is to listen. We see Jesus here in Luke 2 listening to the teachers. So the first question for us that I want to just put to all of us is, how are you doing at listening? How are you doing at listening? Not the kind of listening that's trying to respond before the question or the descriptive is even out there, but how are you listening? And the second question that I want to pose to us is what is the question or questions that God is asking you in this season of your life? See, I've got to admit, I am really good at asking questions, or if you wanted me to give you a bunch of questions for you to ask in your life, I think I could give you a list, most of you. But I think it's really important that we ask ourselves some questions or pay attention to the questions God's asking us. So how about you? How about me? What is the question or what are the questions that God is asking in this season of your life? So we're going to take a moment just in the silence. And maybe you immediately know the question God's been asking you. And you can just be with that in God's loving and God's loving presence. Allow that question to have space. And maybe you don't know because you haven't had space. So just take a breath. 
You and God both know how much space you've had to listen lately. And be as honest with God as you're able about your ability to listen these days. And if you know there's no space, just say to God, what are we going to do about that? What can we do about that together, God, to create more space to listen? And maybe you can even just hold your hands open in front of you and just say, God, you know all that's on my plate, all that's in my hands, all that I'm concerned about. And just get that fully in front of you, saying, God, you know what's in my hands right now. And maybe you'd just like to lift your hands up to God and say, I'd like to give it to you today. Put your hands back on your lap and allow just some insight to come of when you and God can come back to that conversation. And maybe even tell God when you're going to come back. Monday morning, 6 a.m., whenever it is. Make a date, a time. Amen. Because fives really, they live out this first Corinthian scripture for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And yet many times we are not aware of the mind of Christ. When we get to know really wise people like fives, and you know, you all have wisdom in you, so it's not like the fives that have the corner on this, but they definitely take it to an art form. Their true self, they actually show us that God is wisdom, they're objective, they're focused, they're calm, they're perceptive, they have ingenious insight, they're curious. And I, I love talking to some fives that will say things to me like, just, just give me a minute on that, just give me a minute, I need to think about that. So I'm going to welcome a couple of our students from the course that Scott and I uh, teach here at Crossroads that people come from all over. Um, to come and get certified, and we're going to introduce you to Mac and Phaedra. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on your journey. Today I'm going to be reading a section of the Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram, a handbook for harmony and transformation. Today I'm going to read Type 5. Type 5 is very interesting because I am that type. When I read this, it was a uh, connection there because it hit home. It was a spot-on assessment of who I am. Most people don't know that. So I wanted to share this with you. So to go to type five, it says, wisdom lovingly directs. Any fool can know the point is to understand. A quote by Albert Einstein. Type five, I am quiet, cerebral, observer. I seek knowledge and observe life at a distance. I value my space and privacy. 
and want to be safe and in control of my feelings. I don't like to share my feelings. It's easier for me to figure them out when I am alone. I avoid crowds. Rude, loud, or demanding people who express strong feelings exhaust me. I don't have a strong need to be with people. I do not like to be in the middle of things. I would rather sit back and analyze what's happening. Point taken. I also enjoy thinking about an experience later when I am not in the thick of it. At my best, I am calm, perceptive, curious, and insightful. I sometimes feel socially awkward. I think my intellect can compensate for any of that. So I gather lots of information. People sometimes find me withholding and arrogant. When I am stressed, I tend to hoard my energy and myself. I also can get agitated and think that someone has either moved my things or disturbed my work. My mental life is very active and my emotional life is very private. That would be an inside track to the life of a type five of the Enneagram. When I read this, as I said, it was spot on a correct assessment of the life of a type five. Hi, Scott and Claire. So what's it like to be a five? Well, um, I happily live in my head because um, it's safe and warm there, safe being the <laughs> operative word. But also it's a place where I process a lot of what is going on with me. Um, I love learning. I love wisdom and knowledge. Um, I definitely would have been sitting somewhere in the corner with Jesus at the temple, listening to the conversation, learning from the exchange of wisdom that was going on and processing that in my own self, you know, for fives, uh, information and, and knowledge, uh, is, is like manna from heaven. And, and we process that into wisdom and then that is one of the ways in which probably one of the biggest ways in which we give of ourselves. So when a five is offering you uh, information, uh, offering you a bit of wisdom here and there, please understand that we are making an offering of ourselves. Um, we even process our feelings through our thoughts a lot. So, um, you know, the old David Cassidy song, I think I love you. Um, <laughs> that, that is us. We, we are thinking about everything all the time. And, and so one of our challenges is to turn our minds off sometimes. But we love people, and if you allow us to kind of get out our thoughts, you can get us to our feelings, and we will show you how much we will connect with you and, and love on you, and we just need to know that you appreciate um, our heads. We, we need to know that you appreciate our minds as well as the rest of us. So I'm going to welcome uh, Matt and Jenny to come on up and tell you, so my friend Phaedra, She's a professor in a university, and um, she, uh, she actually needed two days to recover from Thanksgiving, not because <laughs> of the cooking she did, because of the people she was with. <laughs> so she says, you know, Thanksgiving is great as long as I know I have two days to recover after having been with those people. Anybody know what she's talking about? So, yeah, <laughs> so, I, you know, I love Jenny. Um, Jenny, if you don't know Jenny, Jenny, um, 
You are one of our favorite fives here at Crossroads. And one of the things I asked you, how many languages do you speak? Um, around eight. Around eight. I have trouble with English, as was said by uh, Samuel last week when he said I have a lot <laughs> but, of typos. But I can't read or write them. I can only speak them. Okay. All right. Well, there oh, it that's is. And, such a disappointment. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I can do I two languages, English and, and tongues. Reading and writing English. <laughs> yeah, so tell us, what, what would you want people to know about fives, these cerebral types, these people who are in their heads and able to learn eight languages, that kind of stuff. What, what do you want us to know about you? Um, I really think that the most difficult thing that I have come across has been that Someone will ask you a question. But we're gathering information from all these different areas, and we're con trying to come up with a nice short answer for it. And it's going to take a while. We're not just going to go. Because we want you to understand that this is not just a personal opinion, but it's coming from different areas. <laughs> right? Like like well thought out research for years before you get before you get an answer. Yeah. Yeah. And um and so if we're in a relationship with a five and it takes you a long time to respond to something, what does that mean? That we haven't come up with the right answer yet. The the most complete answer yet. So just a little more research. Or a little more time rephrasing the sentence. You know, maybe there was a couple more words that needed to be put in. I don't know. Isn't that awesome to know that? Yeah. So if you're in a relationship with, your, with a five and you're thinking, seriously, just answer the question, right? You know they're not trying to make you angry. They actually are doing research while they sit with you. And Matthew, one of our favorite things about you, so Matt, Matt Blossom, he's been on our eldership team for, you know, many, many years. And at an eldership meeting, we'll present a problem that the church is having. And there are people, the eights will, you know, come right at it. The threes will want to get right through it, you know, all of that. But the five in the room sometimes doesn't even speak. But two days after the meeting, we get like a three-page doctoral dissertation. <laughs> that, that happened like one time, right? Yeah, yeah and it's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not done writing my dissertation yet. And we love that because many times, as I said about that word, understanding about Jesus, it's about these two rivers that came together and later became an idea of bringing thoughts together to create an image, like connecting the dots. Something's not there, but then a five is actually working on connecting the dots, yes. and then will give us the image. Yeah. yeah, so what do you want us to know about that, well, Matt? So what's interesting, uh, I think, about that is uh, the framework from which I'm answering a question or responding to a difficult situation like in a in a elder meeting or something like that 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 framework is strictly non-emotional right so that's why you have to collect enough data and really look at it 
from a logical standpoint if it, or a factual standpoint. Um, and you, I intentionally try to filter the, the emotion out of it. So it's more difficult to respond right away just because of, of that. I'm trying to structure an argument that uh, it makes sense, is logical, uh, that, well, here's the, here's the ego side of it, right? I'm wanting to look competent, right? And that is the way that I look comp. That is the way that I think I look competent is by structuring a sound argument. So it take it, it takes a while, uh, because, uh, and, and I'm not saying this is a good thing uh, at all. But the 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 structure of a sound argument is does not include emotion. Okay. I think that when I'm operating... What is he talking about, all the people? I do not understand. When, when I'm operating in a more centered place, I think it does include uh, some, some more emotion. But, um, you know, at, at, at first glance, it's like, all right, what, you know, who are the players? What are the pieces? How does it all fit together? And so think about that for a minute. So we were talking to Ryan. So Ryan, who led you in liturgy this morning, he, read, he wrote that liturgy, and he's a five. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I... Yeah, it was awesome, right? Okay. Yeah. And um, one of the things I asked Ryan is I said, when you were a kid, how were you like Jesus, where you were disconnected from people and you were away doing something and your parents had to go find you? He said, oh, that happened all the time. Like up in his room, he'd be building something, reading something, researching something. So some of you, if you have fives that are kids, um, my, my grandma always used to say about my dad, who I believe was dominant in style five, she would say, oh, that one, his head's always in a book. You know, when they asked, does, does he go and help his dad in the garage with the mechanic stuff? No, that one, his head is always in a book. So with fives, it's not always about books, though. It's just about something you're interested in. Right, that you like, you are not a master of all trades, but you, sir, you, you are not. You might be a jack of all trades, but you, but you are master of some. There are some that you know about. Like, how long does it ever take to buy a microphone at Crossroads? It takes a while to buy a microphone. (laughs) There's a lot. Listen, there's a lot of things to consider. You can't just, like, buy a microphone, stick it in somebody's (laughs) hand, and expect it to sound good, right? Especially if they can't sing. I mean, you've got to get a special microphone. Can you give me one of those? I cannot get you one (laughs) that makes you sound like Claire. (laughs) That was good. And, you know, and so it's really interesting because um, you... You might frustrate some other types of. I frustrate a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, there was a a particular time we were writing a letter from the eldership team about giving, because giving was down and people were not aware that, you know, lights have to be paid and salaries and the kingdom cannot advance if we're not all participating. And so there might have been a little emotion in the letter from another type 
and then you massaged it. Well, yeah, uh, well... And I, did you filter out the emotion? You know, what, what, I, what I saw in that w- w- was a, an element of emotion that I thought was important... That, that others were wanting to like completely nix, like just take that out. It's not, it's not necessary. And I thought, well, I, I understand the point behind that emotional paragraph. So how can we restructure it to give it some space, but not be like really dominant with, um, the emotional side of it. So that's what I was trying to go. So it was more, it was a more competent paragraph. Well, I would say it's more <laughs> Y'all might think it belonged in the trash and that that and I did I I gave space for that, right? I said, yes. "Listen, you you guys can do with this what you want. If right. it belongs in the trash, that's fine. No harm, no fault." Well, and I think one of the beautiful things about both of you, I see this in Jenny um, too, you know, the humility because I do know, you know, when I'm talking to someone that speaks eight languages, that it is a, you know, there's a different way of being in the world. Like you're taking in so much information, Jenny, that is totally out of my purview, right? She's laughing. And so Jenny volunteers in our office and many times she's just, she's like handling some stuff. And does it get like crazy in there sometimes, you think? Did you hear Karen say it in another language? She won't know what you said. (laughs) Neither will any of the rest of us, though. Um, It's interesting. Notice the verbiage. Yeah, interesting. They both use the word interesting because they're very curious. Fives are very curious. Yeah. And so she's not going to add any emotion to that at all. She's just going to say... It's interesting. Can you all say that together? It's interesting. And so when we think about being in relationship with fives, we're so grateful that you can help talk us off the ledge. Um, You can actually help bring just what is actually seen. Many times we're reading between the lines emotionally. Uh, Well, some of us are. And it's really great to have the gifts of people who are just seeing what is. So can we thank God for people who connect the dots? And the fact that, you know, fives are even willing to come up and be these wise friends. You know, we realize that there are, um, there are people in our history that we could possibly think about being fives. And, um, you know, uh, somebody said one time, I think they all of them, they have, a lot of them have the same hairstyle. But anyway, at least Frederick Douglass and Albert Einstein did. Um, but these are, these folks really, if they are paying attention to their own um, autopilot strategies where they immediately go to thinking, rather than like my friend Phaedra said, I think I love you. I would say, well, what do you feel? Like, I could care less if you think you love me. You know, do you, know, do you love me, right? Right. right? So so if they're on a healthy track, fives are getting in touch 
not only with their competency, but their feelings. And if you talk to Jenny and, and Matthew or other really um, intentionally on the journey fives, oh, you'll see tears behind their eyes mm-hmm. when there are things that they care about because they are touching into, uh, into their heart space. Mm-hmm. And we realize that it does take spiritual practices that we are paying attention to. And we're saying we're intentionally going to keep opening up to more than what we are, you know, um, confessing uh, and growing and learning to love a five means requiring understanding that they are not interested in meaningless talk. And in fact, that's what Jenny told me before she came up. She goes, don't worry, I won't ramble. I'm not interested in meaningless talk. That's what she said right before she came up. (laughs) And so, you know, we realized that we want to respect their privacy. I mean, Jesus disconnected with people, not because Jesus didn't love people, but because there was that rabbinical part of him that he needed to research what was happening. Jesus was fully man, not just fully God. And when Jesus would disappear, he was going into his little five cave, right? So encourage them to take a class to get into their bodies, you know, uh, and, and wake up some of their um, other competencies, not just their brilliant minds. And then for fives want to know what is expected of them and don't be vague and hope they get your drift. Is that true, Matt? Yeah. Like, don't be vague. Be clear about what? Yeah, that's one of Jenny's words. That's a different language. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the typos Samuel was talking about last week. And, uh, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Think about what you want and need. What do you want to need? <laughs> oh, I would love to read all this on some kind of cold medication. But anyway, I'm not on cold medication right now. So let's stand together. <laughs> we so wanna... everybody's going to walk out of here remembering one thing. What? <laughs> Please don't do that. Just... Let us bless you. Yes. We want to bless all those who love fives. And... Thank you, God, that you've given fives in our lives to help us to let go um, of emotions when they are not helping and hear what is truly here, connecting the dots and creating an image like Jesus could do connecting the dots and giving us an image so that we can receive wisdom. God, help us to be patient and listen and wait for their answers because they are giving us another image we have not yet seen. One that comes straight from the mind of Christ. And we bless our fives. We bless the mind of the five. We bless the wisdom. We bless the competency. We bless the willingness to be visionary pioneers and those that can show us the way that we haven't seen. We bless them. thank you, God, that your presence is made known in every human being you've ever created. 
and that all of us today with unveiled faces are being formed into the image of Christ. And may we be open and receptive to become who you've designed each of us to be so that Christ may be known and be made known in this world in ways that look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus, think like Jesus, love like Jesus. And we thank you that during this Advent season as we wait for that day of the 25th that each of us would be open and receptive to knowing more about you than we've ever known. That we'd actually watch for the rabbi that you're giving us the way you want us to learn the way you want us to listen remind us that there's space needed to have the mind of Christ and give each of us a way to see that that space is already here we just need the dots connected When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, and He healed me to the this season of Advent, that we would return back to you, God, and that we would push forward to realizing who you truly are in our lives. We thank you for this blessing in your son's name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in to the Enneagram and Christianity podcast with Claire and Scott Lorridge with the good news for the Enneagram. We hope that this has been helpful to you to discover more about your transforming journey, your own Enneagram type, 
and the people around you. If you're interested in going deeper, Claire and Scott offer trainings throughout the year. Go to ccmonline.org equip to find some amazing opportunities, including transforming retreats at Crossroads Church and Ministries and Motions of the Soul Enneagram training here in Marshall and places across the country. Again, that's ccmonline.org slash equip. Check that out, and as always, send us an email with any questions you might have to crossroads at ccmonline.org. We're so grateful that you've been listening in, and we even hope that you've been enjoying the parody of that old song, Hotel California, uh, our song, whether it's Hotel Enneagram or Enneagram Transformation. And the parody for that song is covered by our worship cast license and other online recorded licenses. So we hope that you've enjoyed that, and especially we hope you've learned a lot through the good news for the Enneagram and through the Enneagram and Christianity podcast. So for Claire and Scott Lorridge, our lead pastors, this is Don Capo saying goodbye and hope to see you next time.